Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. We're sitting alongside president and founder of the Hoban Law Group, Bob Hoban. Today we are discussing the opportunities presented to entrepreneurs by this pandemic, and we are joined by Stuart McKenzie, CEO of Riakiro. Stuart, tell us about the impact on the Ukraine that coronavirus has had. Well, well, specifically our business is based in, we've got an office in Ukraine and we, uh, we have a production facility in Poland. Uh, we sell across our CBD range of products from our Polish facility all across uh, Europe. So um, what we're seeing is different countries are at different stages uh, of the virus. Uh, Italy was one of the first countries um, to be affected in a, in a serious way. And, uh, but they'll be the, really the first ones out. But we can see that the same effect coming into Germany now, into the UK market. So we see it, that the same thing's going to happen as, as it has in Italy, in Ukraine and other, other countries in Europe, but within a week, two weeks, three weeks behind each other. So many are taking the same uh, precautions. Uh, as, but just at different stages. So they're closing down schools now, basically throughout Europe. Um, the big shopping centers, all the concerts, um, the supermarkets. I, I know that uh, people are, you know, one of my friends in uh, Bulgaria um, was shopping in, in Lidl, and he said, yeah, they were, they were just shopping one by one. You could only get in the supermarket one by one. And I said, well, I'm assuming then there was 50 people in the, sh- in the sh- supermarket as one comes out, one comes in. He said, no. He said, they're only letting one person in the supermarket at a time. Wow. And uh, so, you know, these things, and, and, and then people are panicking, they're panic buying and things which is not helping. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, and, and things, you know, retailers, big retailers that we're talking to, Although they're doing very good business at the moment, you can imagine, they're starting to see cracks in the supply chain. And uh, they obviously know this is going to get worse um, over the next weeks and months. Um, so they're, they're definitely worried about that. Um, so, so yeah, that, that, that's a sort of overview of where we are at the moment. Um, we've, 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 of course... We deal with a lot of our CBD products. We deal with a lot of small, medium-sized retailers because in Europe, the big retailers are not really taking this on because Europe doesn't have a pan, you know, European law about CBD. Most countries are told to, to interpret it in their own way, which makes it still a very grey way of, of interpreting the law. And I know Bob and the Hoban Group are doing a great job to try and, and help with this. But each individual retailer and, and company are, are interpreting the law in a different way. And the big retail don't see gray. They either only see black or white. And um, so we need to, you know, get the the, the, um, the footfall of our CB. So that's, why, sorry, so that's why we're dealing with a lot of small retailers. A few big retailers have come on board, of course. 
But in general, we're dealing with a lot of the small details, and they have been told to close. So, um, you know, it's not as though the sales drop 50% or they're told they must close. And uh, and that's impacted our CBD sales a lot. And um, and then we had to think very, very quickly on our toes about how we're going to overcome and, uh, and come out of this stronger. We um, So that's then when we started to develop our hemp uh, hand sanitizer or, or cleanser. Uh, we saw there was um, all the supermarkets and, and, and uh, retail were out of stock of, of sanitizer. And we saw um, an opportunity in our facility to be able to produce a hemp sanitizer. And that allowed us then to get into the big retail where CBD itself was maybe, maybe questionable, but now we'll be able to introduce hemp in a whole other way um, and get some big volumes. And, and these guys are asking for millions of, of, of products. Sure. Well, so, so Stuart, let, you raise a lot of really interesting topics, so let's kind of dive into them one at a time. First thing I want to talk about is, is not necessarily cannabis industry related. It's the perception. Well, let me actually take that a step back. My daughter was living in the European Union. She was living in the Netherlands, and she just returned last night. And uh, so because of that, I've followed very closely how this has spread across Europe, and, and certainly uh, we've all been paying attention to it. But um, there's at least a perception that somehow, someway, nobody was ready for this in terms of governments, and nobody was looking for what was going to happen next. And that, of course, when the United States all of a sudden gets involved and starts to saying things, say, oh, we should do this or we should do that, that people are kind of following our lead, which is the furthest thing from what anybody should be doing right now, uh, following the U.S.'s lead. We don't know what we're doing as much as nobody else sort of understands specifically what they're doing, or at least that's how I would characterize it. What was happening from a policy leadership position based on your observations across Europe before the United States sort of stuck its head into this thing? And to be honest, I, 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 I don't see it from that side. I think we, we were getting signs before the, the U.S. to sort of, sort, sort of involve from, from Italy, saying, guys, to the rest of the Europe and the world, don't make the same mistake as us. You know, we didn't, we didn't listen. We didn't take it seriously. They didn't act fast enough. And uh, you'll see doctors and politicians making statements uh, to that effect online, uh, etc. So, um, yeah, certainly with the travel ban, that 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 then snowballed, of course, across the world. The airlines just couldn't couldn't survive. But I, I, I don't. I think every country's looking upon this, knowing that there's, that there's going to be a peak coming, and looking at their own country's resources that they have. Um, to to uh, to deal with that, so you know whether it be the UK under the NHS or or Netherlands or whatever or Ukraine, they're they're, they're all very different in institutions, and they can they can only handle so so many people coming to them. So it's a it's a case of they don't want everybody running at one point, so to spread out, and uh, and yeah, and, and I think different governments have got different. Uh, ways that they're going to try and handle that, and you know, the, again, it's also it's also what they have in stock. You know, again, a big rush suddenly they're out of stock of all the medicines they need. 
Um, so, so yeah, it's a very, very difficult situation. That's why we see, you know, the UK is a little bit behind other other countries right now in Europe, and and, and they're getting some bad press about that, um, where you know they've closed schools late and they're they're still allowing public transport and they're still you know, uh, allowing gatherings in pubs where other people have closed restaurants, they've closed schools, they've, you know, they've stopped the the, 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 the undergrounds or the metro stations. They've, uh, you know, really made it so quarantine means quarantine and uh, to as much as possible. And the, it's only supermarkets and pharmacies that are going to be open. So, so shifting towards that, that notion, another thing you brought up a moment ago was the difficulty across Europe in trying to get products into supermarkets, pharmacies, and the like, mainstream retail distribution. And that's been a challenge. It's been a challenge in part because, as you mentioned, there's sort of no overarching uniform way that the European Union handles these products um, from non-psychoactive cannabinoids, from hemp. Uh, there is no... Uh, clarity from the FDA equivalent across Europe, the European Commission. There's this issue of the novel foods designation, meaning that the European Commission is treating CBD products or non-psychoactive hemp cannabinoids as if they are the, for the first time ever being introduced into our food supply chain. So that's created confusion. Tell us a little bit about uh, the difficulty in trying to find distribution prior to this, prior to the coronavirus pandemic, uh, for products that are produced. Um, well, yeah, I think you, you summarized it well. There, I think I think the Novel Foods Act was always being threatened. It was always out there, and now I think that the statement has been a bit more clearer by the UK market and even I think in the Europe market that they will be treating it like a novel food. Um, this. This meant that the smaller entrepreneurs, the smaller uh, retailers were the ones taking the product. And if we wanted to really get CBD in the mass market, we needed the big retailers. We need the big retailers to come on board. They're the ones with 80% consumer uptake. And um, so it's been a challenge to then, you know, get into the, get into these big, big places because they don't even understand the category. It's new. That it will go to the lawyers, the lawyers will see grey, they'll not have it clear. So they say no. Um, some some retailers like Holland and Barrett in the UK have um, have applied and worked with their lawyers to to uh, what they call a, have a defensible position with CBD. So um, and and they've carried the product, and within I think twelve months it became I think the, the most profitable category that they were selling. So we know that the consumers love it and there's a demand for it. We know that the European Union and the World Health Organization say it's a safe product. However, the the, the big retailers, and, and that doesn't help when you don't have Facebook and Amazon, et cetera, and, and these big tools are all against CBD going to the, the mass market. So what we've done as a company is, is try to say, okay, well, let's have a hemp range of products. So it's a non-CBD. So we start with that. We start building a brand. We start introducing hemp in in uh, cosmetics. With the, you know, have a hemp oil range, have a protein, and slowly then start educating and uh, and being able to get our products um, in 
into the market. The whole novel food thing, I think there's about over 50 companies applied so far. Um, but it's still very unclear how long that's going to take, what the cost is, and even if you would get it. Um, there's also some some rumours about the pharmaceutical companies wanting to, to take a serious stake in it and uh, and are ready to to come on board after these smaller companies will go out of business and, and not survive the next 12 months, right? Um, it's also difficult to get licences in, in Europe to have CBD extraction because countries will say, well, it's not novel food, you need a novel food before we can sign off and give you a GMP license to, to extract uh, you know, CBD. So many people are just uh, having licenses for, for GMP under foods, but actually not specifically mentioning him. Um, it's still, so that's what people have done. But uh, so, so that's how we're, we're getting into retail is through our hemp seed range and the hemp sanitizer. This is how we're, 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 we're going to survive in this crisis is um, introducing the hemp sanitizer. And then when we put that online, we're going to be selling that to consumers in, in say packs of ten, but what we're going to do is give a free bottle of CBD with that. So I think that will also give us a new audience that needs the sanitizer, and, and here's the CBD that's also going to help you um, cope with the with, with this current situation we find ourselves in. So that well, so so let's focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's focus in on that because it, you know you caught my eye when we were talking the other day about this product, and certainly there's a need for it in the world. So in times of crisis, there's always opportunity, and opportunity doesn't necessarily mean that it's someone taking advantage of something. It's providing a product that the marketplace needs that helps people, and that's what you've always been about at Riakiro. Talk about the hand sanitizer product in more specific detail. Tell us what it is, what properties that that cannabis. Or, or CBD in this case can help uh, or hemp can help make the product better. Tell us a little bit about what brought this product to the forefront. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you say, you know, it's we, we, you know, everybody thinks wash your hands, wash your hands, clean your hands. At the moment, there's no stock available. I mean, the, my sister in the UK was telling me that they're trying to buy soap, they're trying to buy soap, there's none available. So that was the first thing that said, hold on a second, well, you know, there's a need here, and how can we, as 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 a as we a hero, help help get this into the market? And we wanted to stay true to to the hemp business that we're in, and uh, and hemp oil based product. This is not a CBD product, right? Because again, I wanted it to mass retail uh, and not have any problems with, and we can advertise it on Facebook and Amazon and everything else. So the the, the hemp oil. Of course, with everybody washing the hands all the time, this oil will help moisturize uh, your, your hands as well. Okay, so, and uh, yeah, we work with different formulators that we have. We're actually working on a non-alcoholic uh, based product as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, this, this it's a good product. and uh, But we also have to go through the European certification process and that's what we're fast tracking just now. Our staff are working through the night, and uh, really, we put this product together within three, four days. Really, it was that quick. And uh, we've got the website and, and uh, all the attributes to the product and the certification and uh, 
the the, the, the challenge here, Bob, is is is, uh, is getting hold of the of the bottle, is getting hold of the raw materials, um, because although they've shut down the borders in Europe for people to travel, there is some there are commercial uh, ways that we can get product into the country, but. China, of course, is, gonna, is, is lagging behind because of all the factories in China not working. They, they, they don't have uh, um, big supplies, so it's taking several weeks to get products from there. Everybody in Europe's already out of stock. So, so these are more the challenges than it is about having the sales. I, I, I know there's a company in Florida, uh, one of my friends in London just gave an order, I think, for 30,000 bottles. But it's a six-week waiting time. You know, they've got six million on order. And this is not hemp-based products, it's just a sanitizer, but it shows you the demand. And so we can actually get a hemp product out there, which I think is good for the our hemp industry. And it's a, and it'll be a, a very good product for it. And, uh, and then, as I say, online, we'll be able to support that with our CBD and giving people a gift to say, here's the CBD product as well, you should be taking. So, um, so yeah, that, that's our, that's how we're, we're, that's our strategy to sort of get through this for certainly the next, the next 12 months or so. I think there'll be a big demand. Uh, if you can imagine everybody in the world needing sanitizer or wanting it. And, and, and I don't think it's just going to be, oh, in 12 weeks, you know, oh, the height of this is gone. Well, the 12 weeks doesn't mean that that's going to end. That's just going to mean the height of it's gone. It can still carry on for, for months and months and months. And, and I think people are going to start to change seriously. And this is what I've also heard from some big retailers in, in Europe, is that they see big changes in consumer habits after this crisis is over. To As we know, it was a trend anyway, but now it's going to be a much more fast-track to a much more natural, uh, non-chemical-based, solutions of, of uh, medicines, of, of cleaning uh, equipment, etc., uh, cosmetics. And again, I think that's very good for the, for, the, for the hemp industry. Well, Stuart, you have absolutely tapped into that vision of entrepreneurship and innovation in a time when it is very, very needed. Bob, I would uh, I'd like to hear you speak just a little bit to kind of the novel foods and that the regulatory uncertainty and patchwork that exists in the EU. Um, where do you see the harmonization there? And is it coming sooner rather than later? Well, we'll, we'll see how the uh, this this pandemic, the, the coronavirus impacts the progress there. But ultimately, the idea of uh, enriched cannabinoid products, meaning that high levels of cannabinoids, not just trace uh, amounts of cannabinoids. Trace amounts of cannabinoids have always been in hemp seed oil, yeah. cold-pressed hemp seed oil, et cetera, right? So we know that that exists. And because that that's true, one would suggest that taking something that was already in a food product and just putting more of it in there, concentrating it, if you will, it's no different than there was before. Just technology allows us to do that. Well, the European Commission doesn't see it that way. The European Commission looks at it as if uh, this is a brand new product. It's never been in the marketplace before. Therefore, they've concluded that it is, in fact, a quote-unquote novel food. 
What does that mean? That means that if it's a novel food, it doesn't mean you can't put it into the marketplace. It just means that they have to create new rules and regulations for its safety. They need to study its toxicity, whether it's an adulterant, things that we as industry people uh, already understand the basic facts about, but these government organizations do not. So that's really the process and the progress. And this will, unfortunately, likely slow down the establishment of those rules. However, the silver lining, especially as it applies to to Europe as a whole, not Europe as a governmental entity, uh, looking at the UK. Stuart, to your point, the UK uh, uh, perhaps expedited because of its Brexit, because of other reasons. The UK has stepped out there and said, we're going to be the first country in the world to really get our arms around how we're going to regulate CBD products, non-psychoactive, hemp-derived cannabinoid extracts into the marketplace. uh, And we're going to do it first and we're going to do it the best. The UK right now is one of the leaders, if not the leading producer, distributor of cannabinoid products in Europe, non-psychoactive from hemp. And its regulatory agency, I believe, Stewart, that's the FSA, the Food Safety Authority, something along those lines. The FSA is going to be the first out of the box to do this. How does that impact your business, Stuart? Producing high-quality CBD products, does that mean that you have to go to Europe? Or does it mean you distri- or pardon me, the UK? Or does it mean you distribute in the UK? Um, what, what are you seeing out there on the novel foods issue? Yeah, Bob, it, it, it's, it, I mean, it's where we're going to produce the products, right? So we are producing in Poland, and uh, that's under the EU. Now, if we, and then that's going to be tied into the novel food of Europe. So either we have, if we wanted, we'd have to go to and set up an operation in the UK market only for the UK. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter how, that was the only way it would work. I need, I, what I need is the European Union to, uh, to, to make it, if they want to make it novel, then fine, but at least make it a fair playing field so everybody can, uh, can, can uh, participate. I'm very scared that, that, you know, because nobody, it, it's, it's, it's a new thing. I mean, we, 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 we've invested millions into our facilities, right? And to make a full GMP compliant. However, you know, right now they're saying, well, if you really need to, the letter of the law says that this has got to be novel before you can extract because you're going to extract THC out of this is going to be higher than, than, than the legal limit. And, that's the, that's what we're fighting with at the moment, uh, Bob. Right? Is it's not so much? Yeah, we sell a lot. The, the UK is our biggest market, um, and it's even it's bigger than Germany at the moment. But the Germany is a zero THC market, so um, if you want to sell CBD, there's going to be a zero zero THC product. The UK still allows a zero point, I think, it's two or zero point three percent, and uh, and the market's growing. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy that the UK's taken that step. They've got some some big companies there, or big pharmaceutical companies also, um, that will be interested to see what what play they have there, and what's under medical and what's going to be under under uh, you know food supplements or, or, or whatever. It's it's just going to be interesting to see, Bob. I mean, yeah, our strategy is going to be. You know, either a CBD company or I'm going to have to look at being a wellness, going to the wellness space where it's much more herbal solutions, including CBD. Um, you know, so we're, 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 
we're, we're constantly monitoring it. Obviously, we're, we're going to put our application in for novel foods. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we've got to be careful, you know, that uh, we we don't do, do things that are illegal. Um, you know, even extracting CBD at the moment, I don't, I don't know how many companies in Europe really have the paper necessary to say, yes, I officially can extract CBD and uh, under novel food, they don't, they don't have it. So how do you, how, how can you be 100% legal when the law and novel food act is, is you know, you can't even, you're not going to get acceptance of the novel food, maybe for what, 12 months, Bob? I don't know. Maybe people are talking 18 months, people are talking two years, people are talking, and they just don't know. So, what's that going to do to this? I mean, everything in, this, in, in, in Europe is still in the grey, if not the black. Right? Or they're saying at the moment, okay, as long as your application's in within the next 12 months, we're not going to take your products off the shelf. Well, that's fine. Okay, but so how do I manufacture um, and get get a GMP hemp manufacturer? Well, you can't get that until you have the novel food app, you know application in and accepted. Well, unfortunately, I, th- I think that that the US FDA uh, at some point, probably not in 2020, but in 2020, 20, 2021. Uh, the FDA will confuse and complicate matters uh, as well because our FDA doesn't always follow what uh, what works in other places, and and that's uh, the unfortunate reality of it. But Stuart, you've said it all, and, and we really appreciate it. Where where can we learn more about the hand sanitizer and more about Riakiro? Well, we we go to riakiro.com. That's, uh, that's r e a k i r o dot com. Riakiro dot com. Uh, we also have a company, Empire, of course. That the that we build hemp houses and we we sell licenses across the world to educate people how to uh, how to build hemp houses, how to uh, um, get into decortication and use the full plant. And uh, yeah, we're, we're moving that forward very nicely. We just sold licenses in Europe, and there's a big demand in in, in Europe, uh, as I'm sure in the states as well. We've got we've started operations in California, and then got some great interest in many other states about. You know, getting has all this hemp getting grown to sell our, our our unique binder and to really help people. You know, get into uh, the hemp construction, the hemp building materials industry. So yeah, you can find all that on our on our reakil.com or empire.tech site. We'll have that link here with the podcast episode as well. Stuart, we thank you for your time today. Uh, there's certainly a lot of opportunity. There's also a lot of regulatory uncertainty. I guess every silver lining has a touch of gray. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, we thank you for your time today. You stay safe out there, my friend. You too. You too. Thanks, Bob. That was wonderful talking to you. And uh, yeah, God bless and stay safe and stay healthy. Thanks, Stuart. Appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hoban Minutes special series on coronavirus and cannabis. You can head on over to hoban.law for more information on this podcast or the Hoban Law Group. If you have any ideas for subjects that we should be covering or any questions you want to pose to to Bob or myself, shoot us an email at media at hoban.law. Stay tuned for the next episode on this special series, Coronavirus and Cannabis.